Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. Today, I'm excited to discuss a class of drugs with you that I haven't yet covered on this podcast. That class of drugs is called the phosphodiesterase-5 inhibitors, which for short, I'll call the PDE5 inhibitors. Nearly everyone in America has heard of Viagra, which is the brand name for a medication called sildenafil. Besides treating erectile dysfunction, sildenafil has also been used to improve the growth of the endometrium in women struggling to conceive. There have been fewer studies in Tadalafil, which is another PDE5 inhibitor that became FDA-approved after sildenafil. Tadalafil is commonly called Cialis when being used to treat erectile dysfunction. Before getting into today's study, I'll spend a minute here explaining why these drugs that are famously associated with the male penis can also be used to grow the female endometrium. PDE5 inhibitors, they inhibit a smooth muscle enzyme called phosphodiesterase, which ultimately leads, through a cascade of effects, to relaxation of smooth muscles and increased blood flow. In addition to improving penile blood flow, some studies have suggested that PDE5 inhibitors also improve uterine blood flow, which leads to improvements in the endometrial lining of the uterus. Having a receptive endometrium is key to the uterus being receptive to embryo implantation. It is believed that a thin endometrium leads to lower chances of implantation success, so the use of a PDE5 inhibitor to increase the flow and endometrial thickness It's picking up steam in several small studies, like the study I'll start discussing now. The study was called Effect of Vaginal Oral Tadalafil on Endometrial Thickness in IVF Patients, a Double-Blind Placebo-Controlled RCT, a pilot study. It was published in June in the Journal of the European Society for Gynecological Endoscopy. This Tadalafil trial was conducted at one hospital in Belgium. It was a double-blind placebo-controlled pilot study seeking to determine if Tadalafil does a better job than placebo at improving uterine lining and pregnancy rates of women doing IVF. The 58 women who participated in this trial were divided into three groups. Group A took 10 milligrams of oral Tadalafil and a vaginal placebo. Group B took oral placebo and 10 milligrams of vaginal Tadalafil. And group C took both oral and vaginal placebo. Of note, the study authors opted to test Tadalafil instead of sildenafil because Tadalafil has a longer half-life, which means that patients may not need to take it as frequently to obtain the same effect. In the current study, the Tadalafil was taken once daily, whereas most of the sildenafil fertility studies have patients taking the drug three or four times daily. As for the origin of the vaginal Tadalafil, it came from oral Tadalafil capsules that a local pharmacist converted through compounding into a vaginal form. The paper did not say what form this vaginal compound was. Was it a cream? Was it a gel? It's too bad we don't know because the formulation impacts how quickly the drug is absorbed. The women in the study, they were ages 18 to 40, and were doing IVF for the first, second, or third try. No women in the study had major organ abnormalities 
or had a BMI over 35. The women started the Tadalafil and placebo meds at the same time they started injecting FSH for ovarian stimulation. The patients followed the hospital's protocol for ovarian stimulation, which meant they were on FSH and a GnRH antagonist, except they were also adding on these trial treatments. The women stayed on the trial treatments until the day before they took HCG as a trigger shot for oocyte maturation. So the women were on Tadalafil and or placebo for a maximum of 12 days. Endometrial thickness was measured on HCG trigger day, and pregnancy was measured at six weeks by ultrasound and blood work. Now that you've heard the gist of the study, let's get into the results. No patients were lost to follow-up or dropped out of the study, so all 58 women who started the study finished it. Between groups A, B, and C, there were no differences in age, BMI, their baseline FSH levels, or the doses of FSH they received during ovarian stimulation. The authors found no statistically significant differences in endometrial thickness between these three groups. In contrast to the lack of differences in endometrial thickness, they found that group B, compared to groups A and C, had higher numbers of mature oocytes and of total oocytes retrieved. Keep in mind that group B was the women who were taking oral placebo and vaginal tadalafil. Once the oocytes became fertilized into day one zygotes or frozen day three or day five embryos, again, there were higher numbers in group B compared to groups A and C, and group A still had higher numbers too compared to group C, but these differences were not statistically significant. When it came to pregnancy at six weeks, there was a trend toward more pregnancies in group A. In group A were the patients who were on oral Tadalafil and vaginal placebo. In group A, 25% of women were pregnant, compared to 15% of women in group B and 10% of women in group C. But these differences between groups were not statistically significant. Based on these results, the authors admitted that they observed no differences between groups, but they believed that they couldn't make any sweeping conclusions because of the low number of study subjects. They advocated for a future study, and note they didn't volunteer to do this study themselves, with far higher numbers of women that would also look at the most important result of all fertility interventions. That's live birth. While I agree with the author's ultimate conclusion, I'm disappointed by how they got there. In the beginning of their study, the authors hypothesized that Tadalafil would provide a significantly better buildup of uterine lining versus placebo, and they hypothesized that vaginal Tadalafil would yield better results than oral. They were not able to prove either hypothesis, but they slacked off on explaining why. They didn't even devote one sentence to explaining why the oral Tadalafil may have worked better than vaginal in their study, even though they mentioned in two separate spots that this was the first vaginal Tadalafil study. They skirted around their vital explanation by instead devoting paragraphs to general endometrial thickness. The authors also didn't explain why they chose 10 milligrams for their Tadalafil dose, besides saying it's the same one used for erectile dysfunction. Given that the authors cited two previous Tadalafil studies in fertility where the dose was 5 milligrams. Any rationale to explain why they doubled the dose would have been helpful. 
There are more strengths and weaknesses in this study. I've listed them in the show notes. The links to today's study are also posted in the show notes, which concludes today's episode. Please feel free to drop me a line for future podcast suggestions at www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in.